You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 this morning. We're looking, continuing in our series, looking at this story, um, our series at the feet of Jesus. Today we're considering at the feet of Jesus being the place of true devotion. This is the place of true devotion. I don't need to remind you that um, life can be pretty hectic at times. I'm sure some of you would say, yeah, that was my week, hectic, busy, full. And uh, I don't know if you know this to be true. I know I've experienced this to be true, that when my life is very full, it's exceptionally difficult to determine what the best choices are to make. What choices should I be making with my time, with my priorities? I find the fuller it gets, the busier it gets, the more hectic it gets, the more difficult it is to make the right kinds of choices. Because when you're pulled in all these different kinds of directions, it's not always that clear what the best choice is to make. What's the best choice for my children? What's the best choice for for us as a family? What's, What's the best choice? It's just not always that clear. And as I look out over this crowd this morning, I'm seeing people go, yep, 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 that's true. Well, we're looking at a story here in in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Very, very familiar story for many of you. I'm sure this morning it's a story of Mary and Martha. It's a story of two sisters, the sisters of Lazarus, uh, Mary and Martha, and these two women are being pulled in very different directions. And whenever I, whenever I read this story, and as I've read this story many times in my life, whenever I read this story, I always have the same two reactions. I have, in my heart of hearts, I have this reaction of longing. I long, when I read this story, I have a sense of longing. I want to be more like Mary in this story. And yet the other, the other reaction is equally true. I have also a sense of resignation that even though I had this longing to be like Mary, when I kind of look at my life at times, my life actually looks a lot more like Martha. And I'm guessing that some of you feel the exact same way. So here's, here's our point to our sermon this morning. One really big point, and it's this. If you want to write it down, I'd encourage you to do so. When you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you've made the best choice. When you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you've made the best choice. You ready? Let's look at verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now before we get into the rest of the story, just another four verses, but before we really get into the the story. There's a lot in verse 38. There's three really important things that I want you to kind of glean and look at here in verse 38 because it helps kind of develop the background for the story. It says here in verse 38, now as they went on their way, they went on their way. There's a they to this story. This story is not just about Jesus, Mary, and Martha. There's actually a they. Um, it wasn't unusual for Jesus to... Um, journey with a, with a lot of people, with a they, right? Sometimes the they was three people, sometimes it was 12, 
Actually, as you read through the Gospels, you know, whenever the word disciple is used in the Gospels, it's not always referring to just the 12. Sometimes it actually refers to a crowd that's bigger than the 12. The number of people that would follow Jesus around that were his, that were his disciples, it would sometimes swell to a large number, and sometimes it would shrink like near his death, right down to a, a, a certain number of people. But, but there's a, a growing number and a shrinking number. There's there's a they always with Jesus. He's never, Jesus, let's just put it this way. Jesus is never walking down the sidewalk by himself, right? He's never walking down the sidewalk by himself. He's always got, usually almost always has somebody around him. In fact, at this time in his, in his uh, earthly ministry, that would not be unusual for crowds of people to be following him. In fact, if you look at the beginning of chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, you're introduced to a 72, 72 that would have been part of the disciples. In fact, he even in verses 17 and following is talking to the 72. So I don't know how big the they is, but it's, it's, it's more than just Jesus. This is important. It's important to the story. So as they went on their way, Jesus entered a entered a village. He's actually doing what he commissioned the 72 to do in verses 1 through 12. Remember the 72 and the first, those first 12 verses in chapter 10? Let's look at verses 4 through 9. I want to read them for you this morning. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, as he commissions them to go out into these towns, into these villages to communicate a message and to heal people, he says this, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, greet no one on the road, Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Don't go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus is doing here in this story that we're about to read what he has commissioned the 72 to do in the first 12 verses of chapter 10. He's entering into a village. When he enters into the village, he's going to go and look for a house that's going to receive him. He's going to give a blessing of peace on the house. And then he's going to stay there at that house until he decides to move to another place. Just like he told the 72. Like, don't, don't move around from house to house. Just stay in that house. So, go back to verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus enters this village, and then he's, there's this woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, the story right before this story is the story of the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan is the story of a Samaritan who takes care of a Jewish man was left to die by the side of the road. The religious leaders one had nothing to do with him for various reasons. But he takes him, shows mercy on him, and extends hospitality to him by taking care of all of his needs. And so, so much so that it says, uh, Jesus says, which one do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And then all of a sudden we have this story, the story of Mary and Martha, which is continuing the theme of hospitality. She's showing him hospitality. This story is going to tell us the kind of welcome that Jesus wants. Martha's place has become the house of peace. 
She said, why are you telling me all this? Because it's all important. It paints the picture for you of what's happening. So let me paint it in a little more plain language. Here's what it is. Jesus and probably some of his friends show up at Martha's house. I don't know how many friends were with him. I'm guessing there's a few. And he's not going anywhere. Because he's entered into this village. He's going to do some ministry in this village. And he's going to be staying in this house. You have to get, you have to get this picture. Now, what, what would you think it would be like if Jesus showed up at your front door with a bunch of his friends? And you lived back in the day that Mary and Martha lived. What do you think would happen next? Well, let me tell you some of the things that would happen next. How, like a market run. We've got to do a market run now, right? So, like, I don't know how, we don't know how long Jesus is going to stay in the house Right, but, but I will tell you this, she doesn't have a side of beef hanging in a freezer out in the garage. Right? So she's like, she doesn't have all this extra okay, so she's gotta send people out, she's gotta go or send some people out, we gotta do a market run. There's no running water in the house. There's no running water in the house. I don't know how far her house was from the well, but there's got to be all these different kinds of trips that are happening at the well. Can you can you see the picture in your mind? Can you see all of the activity that's going on inside of this house. It's extremely busy. It's very frantic. There's lots of, lots of action that's going on. Can you see that? Can you see that? Can you feel it? And then add to that this. It's Jesus. Jesus shows up at the front door with some of his friends. It's Jesus. When I was a kid, I always kind of wondered, what would it be like to have someone famous to come over to my house for dinner? So I say things like this, hey, mom, wouldn't it be great if the queen dropped in and had dinner with us tonight? (laughs) How many of you think it would be a great idea if the queen just kind of dropped in? You know, the door goes off. You really think so? The door, I'll come back to you in just a minute. The doorbell, the doorbell rings and there she is. The queen's there and her entourage. They showed up at your house, you know, the awkward hello, you know, kind of thing. You get over that, and you're all sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, you know, things start flooding your mind. So, boy, I wish I had cleaned my house today. <laughs> or, she better not use that washroom. Or, you know, and she had, I hope she's okay with craft dinner. I don't know how many times she's had craft dinner for dinner. But it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus, the one who's been going from village to village, and everywhere he goes, people get healed and they're forgiven of their sins. This is Jesus, the one who fed over 5,000 people in the town of Bethsaida. Jesus at her front door. Jesus in her living room. This is the picture that we need to place ourselves into this morning as we think about this story. It is Jesus. So let's read the story now. Verse 38 again. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. When you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you have made the best choice. Here's your first point. One thing is necessary. You see that phrase in verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Well, what is that one thing that is necessary? Well, the one thing that is necessary is what Mary has chosen to do. It's Mary's way. The one thing that is necessary is Mary's way in verse 39. Do you see it in verse 39? She had a sister called Mary who did what? She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That's the thing that Jesus is talking about to Martha. That's the one thing that's necessary. Now, Mary is the outlier in this story. She's the one who's countercultural. Martha is doing what you're supposed to do, and Mary is supposed to be doing that as well. Right? They would have been... In that culture, I mean, hospitality was so, so important. And when people, when strangers showed up at your house, you... It, you I know we have a hard time relating to this, but you actually opened your doors and allowed them to come in. They were be, that's, that was a value. It's part of their culture. They were trained as, as even young men and young women, trained at an early age, at that, at watching their parents. This is how you dealt with people. You welcomed them into your home. She, she has, uh, that, that's what you're supposed to do. But instead of jumping into all the activity of hospitality preparations... Mary chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus. You you have to understand, no one has taught her to do this. This is totally countercultural. I mean, we think, when we read this story, we think, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I picked that too. Because half of us, or three-quarters of us, don't want to have anything to do with hospitality preparations. It'd be like, Right? If I could tell you to do it, it would be great. And I'd go sit at the feet of Jesus. We're all, we're all thinking. That's, that's, because we, have a, we can relate to that as a higher value. But you have to understand, ever since she was a, a little girl, their homes, they valued hospitality. No one has ever taught her to do this. No one has ever taught her to do this. She's not lazy. She's not looking for an excuse to get out of work. She isn't trying to upset her sister. She just realizes that in that moment, what she needs, what's more important in that moment, is this one thing, Jesus. It it hits her. It's it's so, I I don't know, it's just one of those moments that just kind of, hits her in that moment that this is what I have to do this. I have to sit at his feet and listen to his, listen to his teaching. She just realizes it's that moment. And that's exactly, exactly what you and I need to take away from this story. Mary's way needs to be our way. God's message to us, to all of us here in this room, is this message. This is what you need. Right? This is more important than anything else. Right? This is the one thing that's necessary for your life. Jesus. What does that look like? Well, look at what it looks like in her life. She, she sat at the Lord's feet 
and she listened to his teaching. She was focused on Jesus. She sat at the Lord's feet. She took the posture of a disciple. When a rabbi would teach, the disciples would sit at the feet of the rabbi and listen to their teaching. It was a way of recognizing the authority of the one who was teaching. It was a way to express humility, to express humility uh, on behalf of the disciple. It was a way of expressing respect and commitment and loyalty. It was a way of expressing true devotion. When you see the word sitting at the feet of Jesus, you should think this, relationship. Relationship. Jesus is in Martha's living room, and Mary decides relationship, not food preparation, not hospitality, nothing else. I want relationship. And so she sits at his feet, and then she fixates on his teaching. She listens, listens to his teaching. Now, you all know there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. You all have smartphones, most of you. I assume there's maybe a few of you that don't. Don't put your hand up. <laughs> but um, I don't know if you've ever been in this, this. I don't know. This probably happens to us all the time, like, like it could happen right after this service is over, right? Uh, you're having a conversation with somebody, one-on-one. -on -one, you're looking at I, right, your smartphone is... Always, always within arm's length, right? It's got to be always within arm's length. So it's within arm's length, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, that screen lights up. It lights up. Someone's just texted you a message. You're having this conversation with somebody. You're looking, you're, we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden, back and forth, all of a sudden, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, reach for the phone, still, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> right. There's a difference between hearing and listening. As it turns out, this is a really significant theme in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the one that we're reading from. Here's one example in Luke chapter 8, where Jesus is giving the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. He talks about this idea of hearing. And of course, when Jesus is talking about hearing, He's actually, means, he's actually saying, listen, listening. So he starts, as he's starting to explain this parable, this parable, to tell the parable, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, well, he's not saying, uh, you know, he's not saying just audibly hear. What he's trying to say is, is if, if, you're, if you're within shouting distance, listen up. Important to listen. Okay, next verse. Verse 15, as he's explaining the difference between all the different soils where the word of God falls into different kinds of soils, he, start, he describes the good soil this way. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is a great description of what it means to listen. You not only hear it, but then you hold it fast, and then in time, it bears fruit with patience. You see the progression? Hearing, holding it fast, bearing fruit. Jesus is all about, he's all about not just hearing the message, but actually listening to the message. Next verse. Verse 18, he says, take care then how you hear. Okay, For to the one who has, more will be given. In other words, if you listen the right way to my truth, God will give you more. 
He'll give you more. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, in other words, he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious people here, who think that they know what God's truth is, he says to them, the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Right? So, in other words, be, be careful how you listen. Look at the next verse. In verse 21, he says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Here, there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening. This is not in one ear and out the other. This is in one ear, listen to it, meditate it, let it sink down deep. This is what she's doing. This is what is happening here in this story. She's sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching. She's not just like sitting in the front row at his feet kind of you know, hearing him say things. She's actually hearing in a way that's actually listening, sinking down deep into her heart. Right? That's what the one thing is that's necessary for us. Right? To focus on Jesus, to fixate on Jesus. Now, why do we listen to Jesus' teaching? Why do we listen to God's Word? Because we know that God's words are words of life. Like, this is how Jesus describes it in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and following. He says, at the end of one of his greatest sermons that he preached, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Why, why listen? I mean, this... I love the conclusion to Jesus' sermon, right? right? He's basically, he's preached this amazing sermon in front of all these people, talked talk to them about the Beatitudes and other things that he's described them, and as he concludes it, he says, listen, listen. That's what he says, listen. And take my words to heart, because when you take my words to heart, what do you do? You're like the guy who built his house on the rock, and when the stream broke... And it, the floods came on. What happened? The walls stayed up. That's what it's like to listen to. Or think about this from John and the Gospel of John. This is written in, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the what? The truth will set you free. What's the key here? If you what? Abide in my word. That's just another way of saying, listen, listen. Abide in my word. Abide in my word. When you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you have made the best choice because you're focusing on Jesus and you're fixated on his teaching. Focused on Jesus, fixated on his teaching. Focused on Jesus, fixated on his teaching. Okay? Is that your life? Focused on Jesus, fixated on his teaching. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. So let, let me just describe for you a little bit of what that's like for me in my life. And I, um, I in no way have this down well. I just, I just gonna, I'm just going to share my life and you can decide what you want afterwards. When the alarm goes off in the morning, I go downstairs, I get a cup of tea, and then I go to my blue chair. I have a blue chair. 
And uh, I go and I start, I spend time with the Lord. I do, I, I just believe that it's important to have a daily steady diet of sitting at Jesus' feet and reading and listening to his word. Right. I would never dream of only eating one meal a week. Okay. I, in fact, I, I eat many more meals, probably more meals than I should eat, but I eat a lot of, a lot of meals. I would never eat one meal a week because it's not sustainable. Same is true spiritually. As much as this is amazing and grace-filled and an opportunity to worship the Lord and God does amazing things in our lives when we gather together, it's, it's not, this is not sustainable. If this is, if this is all the listening and sitting at his feet that you do, it's not sustain, sustainable. Listen to me. It's not sustainable. And so you need to be seeking out a daily, a daily way to kind of meet with the Lord, to, and it's to sustain yourself, to sit at his feet and to listen to his teaching. So I spend time doing that. And then, and then I view this as a time of relationship. This is, this is not a textbook. The Word of God is not a textbook. It's every time, I believe every time you open God's Word, you're you're coming into the presence of the Lord. You're having an a, a invitation, an appointment with the God of this universe. The Spirit of God loves to take the Word of God and speak into our hearts. It's a time of submission for me where I actually place myself at Jesus' feet, place myself under the authority of Jesus and his teaching in my life. It's a time of attention where I'm paying attention to what I'm reading. I actually, sometimes I read it out loud, sometimes I pray it out loud. I just ask God to impress upon me what I need to pay attention to. I underline things. I color code things. I write in my margin. Sometimes I journal. And you say, well, why do you do all that? Because I just learned this to be true. Sometimes I can be reading God's word, and sometimes I can be hearing God's word, and yet I'm still not listening to it. I can't imagine. I just can't believe how many times I actually am reading God's Word, and then 10 minutes later, I can't even remember what I just read. And so, like, I know, I know that I'm sitting and listening when over a period of time, God's Word is doing what it was designed to do in my life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You know this verse, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God and is what? profitable for, what's it profitable for? Teaching. So instruction. When's the last time you were reading God's word and the spirit of God instructed you? Like pointed something out and instructed you or, or reproved you. It's profitable for reproof. That's the word for conviction. When's the last time you were moved to tears and conviction from your reading of God's word where you actually had to repent for something? Or correction, that's the idea of restoration or improvement. When's the last time that God's word spoke into your heart and began to mend your broken spirit or correct your faulty understanding or trained you in righteousness? When's the last time that God's word launched you in a process of discipline and change in your life? When's the last time that happened? Because that's what it means to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching. That's what it means. Over time, God's word does the work that it's designed to do in your heart and your life. It's, you, you've, got, you've got to do this. 
It's the one thing that's necessary because when you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you have made the best choice. The best choice. One thing is necessary. But many things pull us away from the one thing. Point two. Many things pull us away from the one thing. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about, about many things, but one thing is necessary. Now, don't be too harsh on Martha, right? Her in, it's too easy, right? Her intentions are good. Jesus is in her living room, right? Jesus is in her living room. I'm, I can only imagine what, how, well, how would you have, if it had been you, how would you have responded, right? Jesus is in your living room. I'm thinking I would probably have been like Martha. I would have either been busy preparing things or asking other people to prepare things because it's Jesus, right? So let's not paint her out to be some villain in this story. She's not, she's not that at all. She's not that at all. Her intentions are totally good. She's trying to serve her Lord. She loves him. She's trying to serve him. The, the problem is, the problem is, is that Martha's way, turns out, is not Mary's way. Martha's way is frantic life, fractured heart. Let me say that again. Martha's way is frantic life, fractured heart. She's distracted, she's anxious, she's troubled. My prayer is, please, Lord, don't let that be me. But so many times it is. Frantic life, fractured heart. And so because of that, we, I, I need to and you need to be aware of the things that pull you away from the one thing. If one thing's necessary, you need to be aware of the fact that there are many things that pull you away from the one thing. Well, what's one of those things? Well, one of those things is busyness. It's busyness, right? Busyness. You can see that in, in, her, in her life here. She, it says that she was distracted with much serving. Literally, she was pulled away from the necessary things, sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him by much ser serving. Now, I want to say to you this morning, I wish I could say to you this morning, that the only issue here is Martha's fractured heart. I, I wish I could just say that, but it's, it's not. It's not, the only, it's not the only issue. It is about her fractured heart, but it's also about her frantic life, because this is true. A frantic life almost always leads to a fractured heart. A frantic life almost always leads to a fractured heart. You cannot live an overpacked, agenda-driven, overachieving, 
excellence at all costs lifestyle without it impacting your ability to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. Many of you in this room are saying, I want to have quality time with the Lord. Well, if you want quality time with the Lord, it's going to take quantity time. We all know that to be true. It's just true of any relationship, right? Oh, no, 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 I, I believe in quality time. I don't believe in quantity time. Really? Ask your kids how, and your spouse how fond they are of your philosophy of quality time over quantity time. If you say, you like go to one of your kids this week and say to them, well, I think I'm going to give you some quality time this week, and those 15 minutes are going to be amazing. That's <laughs> not going to work out over the long run, right? Even Jesus, when he lived amongst us on the earth, even Jesus, when he was busy, he always found time to break away to the mountainside to be with his father. Always broke away. Always broke away. He was always looking for ways to break away. In fact, he was trying to find ways. They, they, fought, they had to fight for that. They were trying to find ways in which they, in which they could do that. Now, don't, don't hear this. Jesus is not anti-serving. He's not against serving here in this story. In fact, uh, doing things for Jesus, uh, Jesus commends. In Matthew chapter 25, he spends a whole chapter talking about how we're, you know, we should be serving the Lord, using our talents and serving the Lord, and before he returns, making sure we're ready for his return. He spends a lot of time talking about the ability to serve and to do that well, but he is concerned with how the drive to serve has caused uh, Martha to make the wrong choice. Doing something for Jesus never can replace being with Jesus. Doing something for him can never replace being with him. And some of us, some of us who are busy doing things for Jesus are the most distracted followers of Jesus. John 15 verse 5, we've been singing about it this morning, and John 15 verse 5 reminds us that Abiding with Christ always leads to fruitfulness for Christ. It's not the other way around. Abiding with Christ leads to fruitfulness for Christ. Doing something for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. So busyness is a problem. Business is a problem. Here's another one. Here's another one. Disillusionment. Okay, disillusionment. You can see that in her words when she comes to Jesus. She went up to him and said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Right? You can just, just write over top of those words. This is not fair. This is not fair. That's exactly what she's saying. She's coming, to, she's coming to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? How many of you think that Jesus cares? I think Jesus cares. I think he cares a lot. But just think about her. She's so frustrated that she comes up to Jesus and it was sitting in her living room or wherever he's sitting in the house and says to him, do you not care? Do you not care? Wow. That's what happens. See, this is what happens when you think it's not fair. Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my, my sisters left me alone? Tell her to help me. I don't know what the tone was like. I just kind of threw that in. 
I can feel that, though, a little bit in her frustration. It's not fair. See, when our hearts are captivated by what we believe we deserve, and add to that unmet expectations, sometimes that takes our minds off the goodness of God's ongoing love for us and even drives a wedge between us and the Lord. I've seen in my own life, and I have talked to many people, where disillusionment or this is not fair has kept them from the feet of Jesus and listening to his word. Then there's this, then there's this, disappointment, disappointment. The fear of disappointment, really. She's afraid of disappointing. Then I love this, Jesus responds to her in verse 41. He says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, you know, if Jesus repeats your name twice, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He doesn't tell us what those many things are, but we can probably guess things like responsibility. I mean, it's her house. Jesus has showed up at her house. She's feeling probably the weight of responsibility. She doesn't want to let Jesus down. She loves Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus. She knows that that's an expectation of her. She's maybe concerned about her reputation. I mean, in a culture that valued hospitality and their ability to be hospitable, what would people think of me if we can't do this, can't pull this off? She's maybe afraid to let other people down. I don't know. But many things, I do know this is true, many things pull us away from the one thing. What is it in your life What is it in your life right now that's keeping you from the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching? Here's the last thing. It's this, verse 42. Choose the one thing. Choose the one thing. But one thing is necessary, Jesus said. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's no formula. There's no magic bullet that leads you to the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching. It's just a choice. It's a choice. You have to choose. Every single day, you have to choose. You have to choose. You have to choose the one thing that's necessary. You have to choose Jesus. You have to choose to sit at his feet. You have to choose to listen to his teaching. Of all the choices that you have available to you, you have to believe that Jesus is the good portion that will never be taken away from you. He's the good portion that will be never taken away from you. Choose Jesus. He's always, always the better portion. He's always the best choice. He's always the one necessary thing. He's the one necessary thing. Now, for some of you this morning, this is a, I I have to believe this to be true. This is an invitation to you to start following Jesus. Do you know that because of your sin, you cannot have a relationship with God? It's actually impossible for you to sit at Jesus' holy feet. Sin separates us 
from the God of this universe. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the great news. Who's the, here's the good news. Jesus made a way. His grace made a way that through faith in the saving work of Jesus on the cross for your sin, that Jesus died in your place. And if you respond in, in belief to that and you respond in faith to that, if you come running to him because of his saving work on your behalf, you can actually sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. Jesus put it this way. Come unto me, those of you who are heavy laden and full of labor, and I will give you rest. I could just hear Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion that will be never taken away from her. This is your invitation. Your invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching. And for some of us here this morning, this is an invitation to keep following Jesus. Listen, a frantic life leads to a fractured heart. It always does. And doing for Jesus will never replace being with Jesus. Some of us just need to hear those words again. We need to choose the one thing that's necessary again. Choose Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, may we believe, may we believe with all of our hearts that when we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, we have made the best choice. So we want to pray for those who are with us right now, who are, have been listening to your words. Those who maybe have been trying to earn their way to the feet of Jesus or feel like they deserve to be at the feet of Jesus or for some ways they think that it's their right to be at the feet of Jesus. God, I want to pray for those people who maybe have been relying on themselves to get to the feet of Jesus. May they right now, may they right now just in a very new way, a fresh way, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is crying out to them, calling out to them, come follow me, sit at my feet, listen to my teaching. You come running to him right now and seek forgiveness. Be ready to repent of your sin. Express your faith and belief in Jesus Christ, what he's done for you. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Father, I pray for those of us in this room this morning who have lost their first love. It's grown cold. We can't remember the last time we sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. Extend your grace to them, Spirit. Extend your grace to us. Light in our hearts of fire and passion for Jesus. Bring us back to the passion that we had 
for Jesus, for your word. I pray for some of these dear saints today, Father, who have given their lives to you and because you gave your life for them and they've responded and they just, they want to serve you with everything and somehow in the midst of the serving they've forgotten or they've got distracted, they've got pulled away from sitting at your feet and listening to your teaching. Renew in them the ability to choose. Choose the best thing, the right thing, the necessary thing, to choose Jesus. And we ask all this in his wonderful name. Amen.